Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is where you are at. This is Plot Twist Please. I'm Shamaya. It sounds like papaya, except it's not. It's so good to see you back. I'm so glad you're here because this is the casting colorism and redefining black art segment that I'm doing um, with Maisha Tierra McGarner. And I'm so glad that we're doing this. She is the artistic director of one of the very few Black-owned theaters in Chicago. Something that I've been really into lately, <laughs> really into, and I talked about this on my Friday Faves, which is on the blog. Um, I love the show Astronomy Club. It's so funny. It's so funny. It reminds me of this group that I was part of in college called ODB Out the Box, um, Improv and Sketch Comedy. And it reminds me of that group. And it just, it's just it's just such a good space. It's such a good place. To... It's so good. I just really like it. I really like it a lot. And so I, re I recommend it if you are a Black person looking for Black-centered art. Uh, so Perception Theater Company um, is in the south side of Chicago. And it's fairly new. Their most recent project, which I'm actually so grateful to have been a part of, um, it's called the Black Baptism series. So it's a series of monologues that they're doing um, that are centered around the Black experience and different facets of it. Um, and I think it's super important to highlight the different kinds of Black experience. We're not a monolith. Um, there are parallels um, within what we've experienced and just in terms of the overarching theme of white supremacy and how it's infiltrated all of our lives. Um, but I think it's also important to note the differences of how it's impacted us, impacted different kinds of Black people. All of those experiences matter. And if that's something that you're interested in, um, I'd go ahead and check out the Perceptions Theater Facebook page or their website, where um, tonight they're actually releasing the entire series um, along with the talkback that I was a part of. There are producers on there, um, recording artists, poets. It's a great group of people and I just feel so honored to have been a part of it. So go ahead and check that out on their Facebook page or their website, Perceptions Theater Company. Um, also, um, there's a link in the description below to donate to Perceptions Theater um, because support Black art, support Black businesses. I thought I'd clarify some things before we dive into this particular segment. So during the conversation with Maisha, Today, I mean, you're going to hear conversations about um, racially ambiguous actors. First of all, I'm not here to legitimize or delegitimize anyone's blackness. That's not my job. Um, that's not my prerogative. I don't, that's not for me to debate. The other thing that I would like to note is that I'm also not here to make the claim that um, art that is focused on the black struggle is not important because it is, it's important to know our history and it always will be, and those stories will always be valuable. Um, but really what I'm referring to in this episode is a balance. And I think you'll get that sense once you listen closer later on. In terms of other news, um, the next episode of the podcast is going to be uh, focused on black women. And it's, it's, I'm just, I'm very passionate about black liberation especially as it comes to black womanhood and however that presents itself in society. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to my Isha to and continue on with this very important conversation. Yeah? Yeah. So what kind of hurdles have you had to overcome as a director? Also, the first one started in college. Like it all starts in college, right? You know? All comes out of the work. Um, so I decided that I was going to direct, started taking directing classes, uh, started, because we had to do scenes. So each class, pretty much, we would do a scene from a play, and we would cast it, and we would, like, rehearse it and get people to act out the scene in our class. And so my directing teacher pulled me aside and was like, hey, you're really good at directing. Like, how could you bring this out of these people? And the people that I was, that I was casting were all the people that they never cast. So I was casting the Black <laughs> people and the non-favorite whites. So and I'm just sitting here like, what do you mean? How did I pull this out of them? Like you would do, you could do it 
if you actually cared enough to because in a lot of times in these classrooms when it's predominantly white you don't you don't get that extra attention at all and i remember i would go to other people's dorm rooms and i would actually coach them through their monologues like mm. i would coach them through their class assignments and it'd be like late at night because no one was helping them professors weren't helping them and so this was a lot of the underclassmen that i was doing this for because i was very vocal that's one thing like they may have not cast me as often however i was very vocal about the fact that they were not going to stop my shine like i refused to be <laughs> put in a corner because you don't know what to do with this boisterous black girl like i'm not doing it um so i would say my first one was when my i did my first well, my only second season show, and that's uh, in my institution. I'm sure in a lot of other theater institutions, they the directing students will pick a play and they'll direct it um, as a part of the season. But it's like they're you know lower stage shows, so they don't get as much. They don't get the budget <laughs> that the main stage shows get. So you know we working. I think our budget was like a hundred dollars. Like what wow. about hundred dollars? Wow. So <laughs> so I had discovered. Um, and Tazaki Shange, I discovered her actually in uh, high school because I had an amazing, talented drama teacher. His name is Glenn McMahon. Like, he was so freaking caring. Um, drama teacher. And he actually introduced me, I believe, to For Colored Girls. For, like, and he was a white man, like a white man from California. Oh, and like, mm -hmm. he introduced me to For Colored Girls. And I was like, oh my God, see all these monologues of black women. And so that stuck with me. So once I got to college and I actually was like, oh, I want, I want to do a, a second season show. Um, and how you apply for the second season show is like they just had a sheet of paper and they were like all you had to do was like put your name on it and say what show you wanted to direct and pretty much that's and it's like that's all you had to do but they didn't guarantee you were going to get a show and I was sitting there just like all you have to do is just fill out this piece of paper and you might get a show and I was like well I've been taught all my life you got to work 10 times as hard mm. so I think I might need to do something more than just fill out this piece of paper. So what I did is I got some of the drama students together and I actually filmed a trailer um, for, for Color Girls. I filmed a trailer for the play <laughs> that I wanted to direct. <laughs> then I gave them like the first 10 pages of blocking. I, I designed what I wanted the set to look like. I rendered costumes. I put it all in this binder and I gave it to them. And I was just like, maybe that'll help me really get my show because I have a solid plan. Mm -hmm. And I did. I got my show. I wasn't that yes. it my show. Yes. However, it kind of <laughs> went kind of, it was a bumpy ride the rest of the way after that. <laughs> so the play originally had seven, <laughs> the play had seven uh, ladies in it. And unfortunately, they would only allow me to have six actresses. So I had, mm -hmm. had to literally delete a whole woman out of this lady's play. Oh, man. And, and distribute all her monologues to the other six ladies. And this is where it would have really benefited me to have um, uh, Black professors. Because I knew that we didn't have that many Black girls in our department. And at the time, because I was, because I just didn't, I just didn't understand the significance of how important it was to really only black women and other people other women being able to like you know enjoy and understand and like relate to certain things but it was really for black women and i didn't fully get that i just was like oh this is for women like this is this is a play for women and so that's the mindset i had and i was like well i can make this work even though we don't have the amount of black women that i would like i can you know maybe i could cast some women that aren't black and i and make sure that they don't say any of the lines that have anything to do with black people mm -hmm. now this is where i should have had a black professor who was like mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. You go, <laughs> you're not going to do that. But I didn't. <laughs> so, originally when I, um, I had auditions for my show, um, I cast it, and I had six actors. I cast it, and uh, five of the actors were black women, and one actor was a, a, a white girl. And the white girl, it was like one of the people they don't like. Like, I, I, it's just people that they didn't cast anyway. So it wasn't like I was stealing one of their prized possessions. It was girl. It was a girl that literally was discriminated against in our theater department. Oh man! And so I gave them their first cast list. And when I tell you they did not like my cast list, um, they told me to take one girl off of my cast list because she wasn't an actor. All she could ever be was a dancer. Um, and then they told me how I couldn't have some of my other black ladies I wanted because they were already going to be doing the musical for them. So they can't do two shows at one time, which was confusing to me because their favorite white students were doing multiple shows at the same time. And so, you know, because I had no other higher authority or, or even realized 
I don't even fully think I realized how much discrimination I was with the counseling. So I was like, okay, you don't like the cast list. I'll give you a second one. Gave them a second cast list. Now I have four black girls and two white girls. And both of the white girls were still girls they didn't like. So, and then I kept the, I still kept the dancer girl on the list because she, she was phenomenal. Like she was amazing. Gave them the second cast list. They told me, for us for a second time, take the dancer off your list because she can't act. She's not good enough. And then they told me they still couldn't give me some of those black girls because they were using them and it wasn't going to change. So I came back with my final cast list, which was three black girls and three white girls. That mm-hmm. cast list they approved. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That's and like- I just didn't have, and you know, and my only guidance were two of my two of my still my, two of my best friends who were a year ahead of me in the theater program. So they just graduated and they were, you know, out there being working actors. So, you know, they're a year older than me. So they don't really know either that, you know, how things should and shouldn't be when it comes to our black art, because they were taught by the same white professors. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they were helping me out the best that they could and I appreciate them for that. But overall the the piece itself, it was it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful people um it sold out every night oh yeah it sold out every night and it if I had to do it over again I wouldn't of course I wouldn't have cast it that way because of what I know now Mm -hmm. however at the time I had no guidance and the and I was like well I made sure that you know the white women didn't say they were black because I was like clearly you're not a black woman Mm-hmm. And, um, but that's just an example of like you being in an institution and like really no one was helping me. Like I was, we were supposed to have mentors, <laughs> but no one helped me through their process. Mm-hmm. And then one of the mentors, she was like, oh, well, you never emailed me. Apparently the emails had gotten confused between her and my stage manager, which was also another black student, um, that they didn't use. <laughs> and, uh, I, and she never got any of the emails. And this is a professor. They never got any of the emails. And I'm sitting here like, so if you never got any of the rehearsal emails, wouldn't you then ask your pupil, hey, how are rehearsals going? Uh-huh. You know, have y'all started? Like, act invested. Wow. Never. They never said anything to me. They didn't say anything until the, it, was, it was like tech week. And they were like, oh, well, I just thought you had it together because you never asked for any help. I'm supp- Aren't you supposed to? to guide me like you're a professor i'm paying for you to guide me i literally paid for you to work here thousands of dollars yeah it was my first year yes thousands that i still haven't paid off right don't get it when they get it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god they knew i was broke when they gave me that loan so they're not getting it anytime soon (laughs) it's wild yeah that's my first incident yeah yeah no no okay it's wild too because I feel like there's this perception, at least this connotation when it comes to representation or diversity, where white people will be like, oh, it's to make them feel better. It's to make them feel included. But no, like sometimes there are there's literal doctrine or there there are there are tools that you need as a black artist because you literally move through the world differently than white people. And there are things that you require along the way that that younger black artists need to know. Like it's exactly. not just like a feel good, feel included type of thing. Like there are actual things within black art that you have to be conscious of. Ugh, exactly. Yeah. It, it, exactly. So yeah, that was my first experience with that, with, with the anti-blackness and discrimination as far as being a director. And it started all in undergrad when they were just like, and it's crazy because I fought, I fought so hard. Cause like, when, like I told you, my original cast list had exclusively, except for one girl, all black girls. And they literally made me take almost all of the black girls that I wanted completely out of the show and yeah. then demoted one and made her seem as if all she could ever do is be a dancer that she wasn't good enough to be an actor as if people can't be multi multi-faceted in, in different aspects of art so there's that but just in general now me as a professional director where I'm actually getting paid to do it and it's not just a school mm-hmm. um yes I when you. I'm directing my own projects I make sure I have black people in there like I I don't care. I'm hitting up the black person. I've made it, you know, I make a Rolodex for myself so I know which actors I've seen in other shows and I and I walk up to them after I watch a show and I'll be like, hey, can I get your contact information? I think you're really good. And I'll reach out to actors when I'm doing my own stuff. Now, when I'm working with other people, it can be a little different 
there have been times where I have assistant directed and in and because I've uh, uh directed in Louisiana and I've also directed here in uh in Illinois. So I've had a few different directing jobs and and uh, sometimes in those uh casting rooms, like I am the lone fighter for the black people. Mm. Like not all the time I've worked with some companies that are very inclusive, but that's not all the time at all. Like I have worked with companies where literally a black actor would come in there do an amazing monologue they will walk out as soon as they like are out of the door the people are like yeah we're not calling them back and, and, and i'm just sitting there like oh well why and they don't have a valid reason and so then i push and i push and i push and i'm like okay okay you don't like them cool but i think they are good and just hear me out just give them a call back you don't have to cast them just at least call them back so you can make a second decision, like see them again. So there have been a lot of like, and actors who don't even know this, but you know, cause I ain't gonna like, it, you know, I ain't gonna say their names, but mm-hmm. it's actors who I've like gotten cast in shows that like nobody wanted them. And it was only because they were black. It had nothing to do with their talent. And you know, so that's the thing that I've learned on the directing side of things where I've, I've had to fight for actors. Like I've had to fight for so many black actors when it mm-hmm. comes to actually getting cast or at least getting a call back. And then what's crazy is these theaters will have, oh, we want everybody to come audition for us. We believe in diversity. Mm. But then, <laughs> but when they say diversity, they mean they're told that they bring on behind the scenes the crew members, <laughs> which is like me. And then now I'm supposed to speak for all the black people because we're a monolith apparently. Mm-hmm. And now I have to fight for every single black artist that I see that comes to an audition room because I know nine times out of ten it's already working against them they don't want you like as soon as you walk in which is hard to hear which is why i think more black people should strive to be behind the camera as well so that they can be in those rooms to help make more decisions as much as they can because you know i can only do so much when it's my project like yeah i'm hiring i'm hiring us period Mm -hmm. but when it's other people's projects i can at least fight what i tell myself is the the least i could do is fight to make sure you have a callback but there have been Instances where, like, legit, a black actor would give me they all, and they'll walk out and they'll say, We don't want them. Mm. And then a white actor would come in and they'll be mediocre as can be, and they'll get a callback. Mm. Yeah, the bar is so high, is raised so high for black actors, I feel like. Even, even in terms of how you present yourself, like, if you're not, if you're not more polished than the average white actor, um, then that could send the wrong message. You know, it, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, um, or I guess in relation to that, what are some hurdles that you've had to overcome as a theater director, specifically as a, or as a artistic director of a theater, specifically of a theater that is focused on uh, making art accessible for black folks and more people of color? Um, we are six months old, so mm-hmm. <laughs> we we haven't had to we haven't had to endure too much. Mm-hmm. But one thing I can say is that um, I always fight when it comes to my theater company. When it comes to casting, I am fighting for black people, and I am fighting for people of color. And you will be cast because I own it. <laughs> my name is on the legal document mm-hmm. for this company. And you're gonna be cast, period. And, and you know, I'm, you know, and, and I'm based, of course, I'm basing it off of how talented you are, but you're gonna be cast because that's the whole point. Is the, uh, and our casting system works like uh, I don't know if you ever seen Brandy Cinderella. Yes, yes, the only yeah. Cinderella. Yeah, yes, Brandy Cinderella, and I love the way that they casted the film because it was like, oh, y'all just threw everybody in there. You didn't care what race anybody was, and you was the sister, you was the brother, y'all don't look nothing alike. And so that's how our casting system is. So unless the playwright states themselves that the people have to be a certain ethnicity because that's how the story is written because that adds to the story, mm-hmm. then I open it up, which means that even work that is done by predominantly white actors, not at perceptions, we mixing it up. Everybody, everybody gets a chance. <laughs> We're not just gonna have a cast of just only white people because also because I'm a black woman. I know how hard it is for black artists. So I would never get, sit there and own a company and then not not put my hand down to pull up another black artist. Right, absolutely. So for my company, it hasn't it hasn't been it hasn't been hard 
uh, I haven't dealt with any discrimination yet. I'm sure there's going to be discrimination, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't dealt with any yet. And most of the other companies I've uh, worked on partnering with, they've all been black owned companies. So I haven't, I haven't experienced any discrimination so far as of being an owner, but I will say that I know that it's hard for a lot of black people to actually start com- theater companies. So I, that I will say. Oh, how so? I, I don't um, know anything about I, it. So. <laughs> and that's the re- like that right there, because uh. there's so much that we as black people just don't know because we don't have that equity. We don't have the ability and the privilege to be educated on certain things, which is why, like you said earlier uh, about the fact that Black actors uh, aren't as polished as a white actor when it comes to, like, you know, how they present themselves in the room or something like that. And that's because the lack of opportunity. A lot of these Black artists live in predominantly Black neighborhoods, and a lot of times people are either lower uh, class or middle class or barely hanging on a lot of in a lot of these black and people of color communities so when it's like that then your schools are not being funded which means your arts program it doesn't exist uh, which puts you in an even bigger disadvantage and me i was lucky because i was able to go to predominantly white schools for most of my educational career because my mother did what she had to do to get me in those schools i'm not gonna say it was legal but she did what she had to do to get me in those schools um and honestly, if it wasn't for me picking up acting in that after school program, I would have never made it to a better elementary school or a better middle school or a better high school or even went into theater as a college profession and then own my own theater company today because I didn't know these things. And even as a, a theater theater owner, I literally Googled everything. And I feel like a lot of black people, like I said, we don't have the equity, we don't have that knowledge to be able to just figure it out. A lot of us, we can't just call somebody and say, hey, do you know how to start a company? Do you know how to do this? You have to do the hard work and Google everything. And that's what I did. I literally sat there one day. I Googled how to start a nonprofit company. And and I wrote it down. I figured it out. I filled out the paperwork that I needed to fill out. And, and you know, and the stuff's not free. It costs money. It costs hundreds mm. of dollars to become a legal entity. It, it, you know, and that's another thing, because a lot of us don't have money either. As artists, we are pretty broke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I had, um, right now I don't have any jobs because COVID. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I was working up to like three different jobs, not including my acting. And so I, so that I could make sure that I paid for all the stuff to make sure that my business was legal. Because, you know, a lot of times I feel like when Black people own businesses, people already see them as less than. Yeah. So you got to make sure that you're covered on all aspects. So I didn't want us to get shut down. I didn't want anything to happen legally with taxes or anything. So I made sure I went through the proper legal routes. But that stuff I had to Google. Nobody, nobody helped me. Like literally nobody helped me. And I feel like that's another thing. I feel like some, some Black artists can get to where they've become successful but then they don't share their knowledge with other black artists. They don't pass it down. Mm. And so then the next generation who should have a leg up because these black artists who came before them have helped them make it have, are starting right at the same ground that the artists started, the older artists started because wow. they're not getting that leg up. And I think it's so unfortunate because there's room enough for everybody to eat. There's no reason that you can't share your knowledge or your wisdom to another black person i mean i just like because this is how i am i'm like i'm so empathetic for people i'm you know especially my people and i have no problem with like hey you want to you know you need help you you want to start a company or whatever i would have no problem like helping out people in the aspect but when it comes to like i think that's also a reason why a lot of black people don't own a theater company as well because the lack of knowledge on how to start a theater company and it's especially the lack of money now, I'm not going to say by any means that Perceptions Theater is rich. We are far, far from rich. But if anyone mm. would like to donate, they are more than welcome. Yes, donate. <laughs> yeah, Isn't it funny how... Yeah. Isn't it funny how oppression can make us feel like there's a sense of scarcity? Like, especially as Black artists, I feel like we feel there's a sense of scarcity. Like, if, if somebody else who looks like us looks like us get something, then they're like taking something away from us. When... 
like the way we should look at it is yeah and like this person is paving the way for us rather than taking something away from us you know Mm -hmm. when honestly they're adding on to your greatness I'm sorry. When I see Issa, like I watch Lovebirds. I don't know if you yes, see Lovebirds. So I funny. Lovebirds. Yes, I loved it. I loved it. I was like, this is what I'm talking about. A black woman and an Indian man. People who right, would never do it. in a rom-com. <laughs> All right, rom-coms. I see you come up on the come up rom-coms. Yeah. On the come up. Like I was watching her and I was just, I was so happy for her. I felt like I won. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. it wasn't even me. And I was like, yes, that's, like, that's me up there. That's me. Yes. Like, like, I just felt so good for her. And I just feel like if we all felt that way and we all supported one another, I feel like it would, we would be a lot further in the arts community for sure. Because like you Absolutely. said, a lot of times, and I think it's because white people have conditioned us to think that, oh, there's only one seat. But there's not. There's multiple seats. You, and if, you know what? And if they don't want you at the table, shoot. Make your own. Right. Is, Amen you know, to that. Yeah. Which goes back to like the black dollar. You have to invest in black businesses. Like you can't say why aren't there black businesses, but then you've never bought from a black business or you've never, you know, or you've never donated to a black business. Like how do you think these companies start? A lot of black businesses start with zero dollars. A lot of mm-hmm. these businesses, they are paying people out of literally the checks they get paid from their day job. And that's, that's how I work as well. Like, at this point, you know, anything that comes out of my company, it comes from my money from stimulus checks and money I'd already saved up from my day job. And so we've been blessed enough because there have been some Black people who have been very loving and very caring and have helped us out. Uh, I don't know if you know who Celeste Cooper is. Yeah. But she's, um, she's, she's phenomenal. And um, she's a company member at Steppenwolf, and she actually hit me up, went out of her way, and was like, hey, we're doing this uh, five-part virtual panel, and we're supporting a Black business each week. We want to support your Black business. Wow. Just out of the blue, and I was so thankful. And they helped us raise over $300 in one week just to help support us during this time where we're a brand new company. Nobody's allowed to go out, really, and you can't commune in a theater space. And right now we're working on doing virtual things, which I'm so happy that we are, so we can get some content out there to people. But just like that, that's like that simple gesture of like, I'm doing something, let me help another Black person on my way up. Because I feel like you can only get blessed from that. And so when people like that do things, do things for you, that's when I'm like, yes, that's what we should be doing in our community. Like, we should be uplifting one another to become better. And, and when you only have a few of us in the arts community as it is, yeah. there's no reason we should ever be divided. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think, well, first of all, we know that the Black, um, we know that the African diaspora is vast and mm-hmm. we come in all kinds of different shades and tones. Yes, we do. Um, yes, we do. Yeah, but do you think that there is social capital or... Do you think that there's a premium um, when it comes to colorism on lighter skinned black folk or rather like how they're cast in comparison to darker skinned black folk? Um, I think I'm specifically referring to how um, women are cast. Um, do you think there's a sort of association there? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think which is unfortunate because they started like colorism would have never happened if we were never like i, I mean right i don't know i was gonna say if we were never enslaved but i'm not sure because mm-hmm. colorism is everywhere it's not just black people who have colorism issues but um yes i do because in america how black people have because of slavery how the color has worked like the lighter you are most of the time you get to work in the house and you get to do you know supposedly less strenuous work but at the end of the day y'all slaves so i i mean mm-hmm. you know but i think it started there and then what they do is a lot of times they will they'll cast lighter skinned black women or ambiguous looking black women in the parts of black women and my thing is i have no issue with lighter skinned uh black women getting cast however i have an issue with them 
getting cast majority of the time yeah because i feel like then or and then and, and now it's getting to the point where they don't even want light-skinned black women they want ambiguous ones yeah the ones who are literally have almost no percent of black in them at all yeah so i'm like what you're doing is you're continuing to erase black people and especially black women more and more so that now when little black girls look on tv they don't even see themselves and, and it, there's so much right now with everything is so social media and so many people are so insecure about who they are. And when you can't even look on a TV on a black sitcom and see a black person that looks like you, I think it does trigger you. And I think it does make you feel less than. So I think that they do this on purpose where they'll say, oh, the docile pretty one, we're looking for an ambiguous black girl to play her. Yes. Then they'll say the loud mouth hood rat or the loud mouth baby mama, mm -hmm. she gets to be the dark girl. And I think that's messed up. Or, you know, the dark girl gets to play all the slave roles. Because if you look back on The Help, almost every single Black woman in The Help was ex extremely dark. I don't think I saw too many light-skinned women, if any at all, that were cast to be a servant. Mm -hmm. So it's just like things like that, little subtle things like that, where it's like, yeah, we'll cast you, but we'll only cast you for this. And I feel, and, you know, and I can't put all that weight on light-skinned women because right. how can right. you dismantle a system that you did not create? exactly so so i feel like for those of them that actually speak out and say no i'm not going to take that role from a full black woman or or black woman who looks black because unfortunately for us we, you, you can't decide what your phenotype is going to be you don't you know right. genetics happen and you look however you look but for those lighter skinned black women who ever actually advocate for darker women i appreciate that because the privilege for dark women is like non-existent it seems yeah. unless you want to like play a slave <laughs> then mm -hmm. like, you have premium on that yeah <laughs> yeah but I, I i appreciate them that they understand that they have privilege that privilege may not still be you know they're not white so they don't have white privilege but they right. do have you know skin privilege where they are brighter and at times that they, they are seen as more desirable a lot of them get more of the like feminine roles, roles. and yeah. i've noticed a lot that a lot of darker black women will get a lot more masculine roles especially yes. if she wears her natural hair yes and so for me that's an issue and i don't like that so that's why when i you know i mentioned Issa ray when i see someone like Issa ray where she has her show insecure and she has four different shades of black women and they all get to be sadiqi like they all get to be cute in their little outfits you know the dark ones get to have corporate jobs too they not just a home girl down the street mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and i'm like and that's when the story is written by black people so i think that a lot of that conditioning where light-skinned women are getting these parts where they are seen as the most desirable it's not necessarily because of their issue it's because of the system that has been created and if you know i just feel like more than to speak out and yeah. say that that's wrong. I mean, when there's casting notices, like how they had on Straight Outta Compton, yes, where the insane. girls are categorized with A, B, C, and D, and the black women are the D-list women. Uh-uh. That's a D. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's crazy. And it's, crazy. it's and funny, I mean, too, was, because... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny too because it's like we adopt whatever the oppressive systems mentality is. So like if if they're if they're telling us you know you are pretty and you are not, then we're gonna adopt that because it's the system of power that we're under. Exactly, exactly. And so I do think like I still think even though people some people are working to change that narrative where dark women are also seen as feminine and able to do roles where they aren't just stereotypes. Mm -hmm. I think we still have a long way to go because there's not enough people creating that content. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people who are creating that content are Black women who look like that. And I say unfortunately because they shouldn't have to create that content. They should be able to go on an audition and you cast them, and it's fine. And, you know, like I said, a lot, not every actor wants to also be a director and an editor and a cinematographer. Some people mm -hmm. just want to act. And I think that's wrong of people and it's very privileged and very discriminatory for you to have to make black people literally work 10 times as hard to even get in a film. Like in a, you yeah. can, we gotta make our own movies because you refuse to hire us and yours. Like there's nothing wrong with when black people make their own movies as far as like their experience, that's fine. But the reason is because literally it's a, a lot of films have been made literally because they won't make them. They won't make films about this. And then instead of them hiring a black director to be a part of the team or a black, you know, stagehand or a black whatever, they'll just take the idea and then they'll put their white lens on it. Uh. And it's 
and it's hated because it's not our experience and you had no one who looked like us be a part of the whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and it's inauthentic and you can sense it. I think it's funny because I feel like a lot of white artists don't think we can sense this stuff, but we know when something is made from us and when something, we know when something is made for us and when it's not. I it's, it's, hate that. And when yeah. I go see movies where I get duped like that, I'll go see a movie where I'm like, oh, the trailer had black people in it. And I'm like, oh, black people, okay. <laughs> and I'm spending my little $13. <laughs> and I'm sitting up here in the movie theater. And I'm like, I'm like, like, wait a minute. This movie was made for white people. Uh, right, <laughs> right. This was not made for me. There's <laughs> black people in this movie. But you're speaking in a way that's made for white people. I mean. <laughs> and so it's so disappointing because I can't stand movies like that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, or even theater like that. I don't want to watch that. And if you want to explain this to white people, then you need to put that disclaimer out there. <laughs> this is for white people. You come see it. Black people, you will be disappointed. Oh, my gosh. I need that disclaimer on everything. <laughs> that's so real. Um, So... I read an article recently, um, and it was it was written by a racially ambiguous woman. Um, but she she identifies as half black, half white, or rather rather half black and half Latino. She was uh, I know what you're talking about. She was white, Korean, and black. And I was like, girl, you the you the multinational rainbow. I'm like, girl, right. you know all of the ethnicities and nationalities. <laughs> right. I was like, you go go you go ahead, girl. Right. Right. Um, yeah, and she was saying how she was upset that she couldn't, which, here's my thing, like, on, on one front, I understand her frustration, because I think that there needs to be a, a, the, uh, the theater industry needs to be more more receptive to people who are racially ambiguous, and, like, Mm -hmm. allow, um, space for that, and Mm -hmm. and that's a tricky thing, because theater wants to put people in boxes, like, we love Mm -hmm. our boxes, and racially ambiguous mm-hmm. people don't fit into a particular box, you know, um, oftentimes, especially if you have certain features. So on that front, I understand what she was saying. Um, but on the other hand, when she was saying that everyone should be able to play everything, I had to kind of take a step back because I do think optics matter. And I do think uh, racially conscious casting matters. Um, yes. Yeah. So what are your thoughts yes. on that? I, I'm so happy you said racially conscious because that's like what I'm always about because colorblind casting, casting is trash because it's saying you don't see color. I see color. I can see. I am not colorblind. I literally see. I'm conscious uh-huh. in my decisions when I'm casting people. I see that because when you don't see the issues with casting, that's when you still cast all white cast, but you say you were colorblind casting. You clearly right. don't see it. Um... But no, no, I agree with you that on that. I don't feel that everyone should be allowed to play everything, especially when the role does not call for you. Because yeah. I remember seeing that actress's, because uh, I read that article and I saw her headshot and I was like, oh, sis, you're extremely ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, kind of like, honestly, kind of like Rashida Jones in a sense. Like, and she's even more ambiguous than Rashida, I feel yeah. a little bit. And I'm just like, that's, it's hard for you to an extent. It's hard for you. However, I don't feel like everybody should be allowed to play everything. If you're ambiguous and you're able to play black and you're able to play white, then because Rashida does that, because she did black AF where she was a black or a biracial woman. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at the office where she's a white lady. <laughs> so right. Completely Almost completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and for her, because of the way that she did it, I'm perfectly fine with that because she can pass for white. So the, right. you, and you are half white. So don't deny any of who you are. You should mm-hmm. be able to embrace all of who you are. So the way that she does it, I'm perfectly fine with. And then there's another actress, Maya Rudolph. She can be ambiguous at times. But like Maya Rudolph is my road dog. Like I love me love Maya her Rudolph. so much. And because the way that Maya Rudolph always does her role she gets cast in which i noticed that she makes it very conscious that she has a black family mm. like and you know and if she wanted to she didn't have to care she literally right. did not have to care she could be like i'm i'm a, i'm i pass enough to where people be like i'm pretty sure she's white but like something about her a little black mm-hmm. but she makes it apparent that like nope i make my mama black and Which I, I want to make sure that I have black kids playing my children in these shows. Yeah, most of the time she's married to a black person in these movies, and even being like white rom coms, 
like she'd be that token so-called black friend and, and she makes it very adamant and i feel like she has a lot to do with that and if she doesn't then whoever's casting they are very intelligent mm-hmm. when they do shows with her but i think she has a lot to do with that she makes it very clear that she has a black family or, or you know that if you and i appreciate her for that but i do think that no if you don't look black and it's a role distinctly calling for someone who looks black and you're biracial then unfortunately you have to miss out on that role and there are dark-skinned biracial people they don't get to play white passing people mm-hmm. you know and then there's biracial people who aren't even mixed with white like you know if a black and indian person nine times out of ten they're not getting to play an indian person if they look more black mm-hmm. you know and it's unfortunate but it's the truth and yeah. I don't think you should take that role away from a full black person or a full Indian person or a full whatever exactly. in order for you to feel heard because all you're doing while you're feeling heard, you've taken a role from someone who's actually what that role asked for in the first place, but they chose you because of how the system works. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I'm with you on that. I don't agree that everybody should play everything. I think things sometimes are distinctly a certain way. However, I feel that it needs to be more open to people who are ambiguous because it's not right to put them in a box when they're more than one thing. Right, exactly. And I think that's the biggest problem is taking away, or that's the biggest, that should be the biggest focus, taking away those boxes because they don't work for us anymore. I mean, they never really worked, but now we really know that they don't work. Yeah, now we're more able to be more vocal about it. Right. You know, and I mean, that, I think that's what it is. It's like we're more vocal now than, I mean, granted, I think people were vocal then, but not very much, especially in the entertainment industry. I don't think people really were allowed to be as vocal as they would have liked to have been. Yeah. Um, and some people just don't care, which is like, you know, because we're not a monolith as Black people. Some Black people just don't care, which is, you know, I'm not saying it's okay or I feel that it's okay. But some mm-hmm. just don't care. They don't care about the situation. And they're just out for self. And it's about self-preservation. Yeah. So they're going to take whatever they're going to take. And if they have to take it out of your mouth to get it, then it's what it is. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of speaking out, how do you think the current moment of unrest has affected the theater industry or just the arts industry in general? I am actually proud of the black artists anyway who are like starting to speak out a lot more about their experiences yeah there's uh two different black artists that i love who also do a lot of theater one is uh amber riley who was also who was on the glee she started a project on a hashtag unmutiny is what it's called i believe on instagram where black people can express their uh theater stories Mm. then there's these other two people who i'm blanking on the guy's name however uh, the girl's name, her name is uh, Aisha Jackson, and she was the standby for Anna in, on the yeah. Broadway, um, Broadway's Frozen. And uh, the guy who was the understudy for Kristoff, who's also a Black person, they worked together and they actually started this uh, hashtag called Theater in Color, where Black people get to either, you know, you can write about your experience or you can post a video about the discrimination that you have encountered in the theater world. Uh. So I love that these Black artists are actually who have bigger names than some of us smaller uh, Black theater artists mm-hmm. may feel a type of way about being blackballed. And at this point, I think no one should care about being blackballed, but it is a reality because even now they're starting to show less and less of the protests, but the protests are still happening. Yeah. So it's crazy to me. It's like they were all about these protests and putting them on the news every five minutes, but now all of a sudden we don't see any protests or videos. When I know people protest, they're literally protests <laughs> happening everywhere they're just not covering it anymore mm-hmm. and i think that if black people make a united front black theater artists make a front to like continue to speak out continue to call out these casting companies continue to call out these people especially the ones who have enough pull to do so yeah because when you're uh, unfortunately when your name is bigger it holds more weight when it's like hey this person discriminated against me and i'm denzel you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i'm gonna speak out on it or whatever not saying that he had this i don't know his situation but, uh, but as far as like Amberali and them that they're actually speaking out so i i commend those actors and i'm i'm all about it like i feel like we should continue to speak out i can think we should continue to support other black artists and start supporting black theater companies you don't see your work on stage support black theater companies and the more you support them 
the more audiences and revenue they'll get, which means they'll be able to pay you more money. So I know that's an issue as well with black theater companies. A lot of times people will be like, well, they don't pay as much as X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, that's because a lot of times they don't get the marketing that they deserve or a lot of, you know, just different things that come into the fact of how they're able to pay you. And I feel like if bigger artists start working with those smaller companies and start putting their names on those companies, you know, just to help out, I'm like, yo, I'm doing a show here. Yo, I'm directing something here. Or, yo, we're just having a talk back here about something. We're just talking about Black theater. We're going to do it at this Black theater company, you know, and they yeah. have enough weight behind the name and they do that. I feel like they get more shine on that Black theater. And then now people who may have not even known that theater has existed and has been there for years, they now can go to that theater like oh i can support that black company or i can support this black company or you know so i think that they should continue to speak out and i will continue to speak out um but i also know that like there are people who are not going to speak out because they don't want to get blackballed and I, I get it so i don't i don't condemn anyone that is afraid because black people live in fear every day so i don't i don't condemn any black person that's in fear of speaking out mm-hmm yeah, totally. Um, so do you think that this kind of hunger for awareness um, of the Black experience, um, especially within the arts, do you think that it's a short-term thing? And what do you think that white artists or non-Black artists can do to help it um, get some longevity? Uh, the first part of it, I do think that it can be a short-term thing if we don't keep doing it. Because I feel like a lot of times with Black people, we have movements, and then because we get, they, I think it's something called like protest fatigue, where you're getting so tired of fighting every day for just to be accepted, that like you get exhausted, so you don't want to fight anymore. So how I figure is that, you know, hey, you have to take a day off, take a day off. If you have to take a week off, take a week off. However, go back out and fight. Don't ever stop the fight. Keep fighting mm -hmm. for, for it. So I feel like I'm hoping this time around, I'm going to put hope in it that this time around that it doesn't dissipate and that Black artists keep speaking out. Because there are Black artists who have spoken out before and they've been left out to dry. Like I'll even say uh, Monique, for example. Yeah. And, and it's crazy to me that all these Black artists are now speaking out. And I'm like, so are we going to go back? Are we going to apologize to Monique? Right, right. You blackball these people, you ruin their careers. How are you going to change that? And I feel like those people ended up end up being martyrs and nobody cares about them anymore. It's like you started it, you started the stand up, but no one cares anymore. Now that it's a group of us standing up, they can't, you know, they can't get us all if it's a group. But since you were the lead in it, it's kind of like, you know, and I, I think it's really unfortunate that that happens. But I think if we keep with the momentum and we keep our foot on the next to keep it moving that we we can make it happen now as far as like white and non-black uh artists and how they can contribute and help honestly support literally support like literally support those artists support those theater companies and speak out if you see that your black counterpart who's in a show which you has been discriminated against say something don't sit there and say nothing because you have you have the privilege of being white, so you have more say so than you realize. So if you're backing up your black counterpart, then it's going to be harder for them to discount their reality, which is unfortunate to say, but it's true. Like be a real ally. If you're going to yell about your ally, be an ally. Donate to those companies. Go see some of their shows. You know, help cast those people. Don't sit there and be cast in a show where everyone is white for what, especially when they don't need to be. Now, there are shows where I'm sure there are shows where it's like they have to be white because it's a part of the theme of the show. But if you're in a show and every show you're in, everyone is white, then I don't know why you're working for the theater company because clearly diversity is not something that they believe in, even though they say they do. So they have to speak out. I feel like if they speak out and if they support, then things will be fine. But that's Absolutely. really, they just have to speak out, help us speak out. Absolutely. Um, and do you think there's anything that Black artists can do or, you know, should do? Um, keep speaking out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, mm -hmm. I think they should keep on speaking out. I think that Black artists should support more Black theater. 
Um, I think that Black artists should know their rights Yeah. when it comes to the theater community. Um, I think a lot of Black artists don't understand how the actors' unions work, and they don't understand that they can contact them. Because I've heard about discrimination from different areas all over with uh, Black theater artists. And they, you know, they vent to people on like Facebook or they vent to people on Instagram and stuff like that. And then I always wonder, hey, did you go through the union and tell them to? Did you report it? Because mm. I don't think a lot of Black artists know that that's something that they are allowed to do. Mm-hmm. You can do, report discrimination. Like Actors Equity, definitely if you're in the program, and me, I'm EMC, I can join Equity when I, uh, whenever I feel like it. Mm. So I have a card and I have the number to the Equity's office. I've been in equity shows and if I've ever, and I have yet to be discriminated against in an equity show and trust and believe, as soon as I am, I'm calling and I'm going to get <laughs> Speed dial. Your, your, your license snatched. You won't be equity anymore. <laughs> so I think black people, black artists really need to know their rights when it comes to these actor unions. Rat on them. Don't just tell me on Facebook. Go through the union. And if the unions want to act shady with you, go to the news. The news loves a good race story. Oh, they, so, they do. You, they eat it up. <laughs> so you know i think that if we actually know our rights when it comes to the arts community we, we support and spend our money not only in the white communities but in these black theater companies because we always say that there's no black theater there's no black directors there's no black this and that but at these black theater companies where there are these things mm-hmm. i don't you know i don't see you why aren't these black theater, why aren't there more equity black theater companies there's like 250 right. black theater companies in chicago I mean, not black theater companies, Jesus. There's mm-hmm. over 250 theater companies in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I think there's only four of them that are black owned. Wow. Out of 250, only four. Mm-hmm. And out of those four, only one's equity. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. So I feel like if we start supporting our own a lot more, that it will increase in revenue and it'll help some of these companies, black theater companies that may want to be equity, but don't have the finances to be so to get there so they can pay you even more money. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, well, we're about out of time, um, but thank you so much for joining me. This has been, this has been really great. There's so much valuable information that I've just been able to get from this conversation. And I'm sure that all the listeners are able to get as well. Um, yeah, yes. you're amazing. And what you do is amazing and it's inspiring. What you do is amazing. So thank you for what you do. <laughs> okay. Well, you take care of yourself and do whatever you need to do to get through this next season of whatever we're in. It'll all be exactly. fine. <laughs> and you do the same. Thank you. Okay, well, you have a good day, okay? You as well. I'll talk to you, talk to you soon. Yes, talk to you so soon. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Wow, so, so grateful to have had Maisha on my podcast. Again, thank you, Maisha. Thank you so, so much. Out there listening, you're awesome. Um, And again, Black women are just awesome. Just wanted to say that because we go through a lot, y'all. We go through a lot. And that's something that I'm going to talk about in the next episode. So stay tuned. Also, remember that the podcast is now weekly. And um, just be cognizant of the new format, which is a panel or guest and then me speaking individually then panel or guest me speaking individually so that's the new format um i hope you dig it and follow me on instagram you can follow shabai moody or you can follow plot twist please follow the blog and follow this podcast subscribe share like all the good stuff donate to perceptions theater and keep listening keep watching stay weird stay curious and You okay being wrong? Yeah? See you next time.